On this episode of Industry Relations, Rob and I talked to Stuart White, CEO of Realtrax, on the separation of church and state in real estate. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective, with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. Uh, this is your co-host, Notorious Rob, and with me, as always, Fab Robertson, everybody. Yay! Hola, Rob. How are you doing, Hola, man? Hola, how are you? Are we doing the salute now? And, you know, I don't know. I didn't know where you that came jazz from. jazz hands, salute. I mean, all sorts of things. Uh, <laughs> and for those watching on video, we've apparently not coordinated today because... It's normally like we're both hat days, both no hat days, but we're going to mix it up. I, I'm, I'm hat. You are no hat. I think you just want to show off your non-toupee real hair. Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, every, like I said, every time I get to a certain level, it looks like I have a toupee, but, you know, it's it's real. <laughs> it is real. I know. It's uh, And I think we talked about it the last, last show. Um, so, listen, I think next episode we have to settle up our bet. And I think I'm probably buying you a steak dinner because I As think the Fed's probably raising. And then they'll pause. So I should have waited another month, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but we actually have a pretty special episode today because we have a guest. And we're going to talk about interesting stuff that's happening. So let's bring on Mr. Stuart White. He's the CEO of Real Tracks in Nashville, Tennessee. Stuart, mm-hmm. how are you? I'm doing good. Hey. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> it's fantastic to see you, at least virtually. Uh, it has been a little too long since we've seen each other in person. But, uh, you know, uh, Greg, I, we're, we've all, God, we've all hung out at various conferences over the years, many, many times. Oh, for sure. Um, but why don't we uh, set the stage a little bit? Because, yeah, I'm, I think most of our listeners, given our audience, knows real tracks. You know, knows you, but just in case, you know, in case somebody's uh, just, just tell us a little bit about Real Tracks, and then we'll dive into kind of your next phase right. of it. Um, well, yes, I am um, often retur- referred to as the oldest young guy in the room. <laughs> I am quickly approaching the oldest old guy in the room. Um, so I've been around for a long, long time. I've been doing this for 27 years, and um, we. Um, Realtrax is is the MLS provider. Um, that's where its origins came from um, for Middle Tennessee, and uh, we have uh, just under twenty thousand users uh, in nineteen hundred offices, and um, it's been a wild ride. I can give you a little history if you would like. Please. Okay, so uh, in. Between 1993 and 1995, there was a huge push in Middle Tennessee to consolidate um, MLSs um, because it was there were there was overlap and whatnot. And so, after much anguish and gnashing of teeth, they um, they made that happen, and um, the. The regional was formed. It was originally Middle Tennessee Regional Multiple Listing Service, Inc., which I said I'm not putting that on anything. <laughs> um, and so so we uh, we actually merged four MLSs in Middle Tennessee in 96, um, kind of modeled it after the, um, the normals um, structure that they had up there. And um, it was it has created a marketplace for Middle Tennessee 
that has um, survived for 27 years now. So, um, right. and right. for, you know, 25 of those years, um, there, the overlapping market disorder and all of the things that we, we saw was that just didn't affect us because we were covered our natural market area. Um, and so we've been able to sit on the sidelines and kind of smile at everybody's a- angst and, you know, their, they, the problems that they had. Um, so in 96, that's when the, uh, the internet was, uh, just kind of forming its purpose in business and all that kind of stuff. And so we went to our vendors and said, what do you have? And they had nothing uh, in that space. And so we were currently with um, Interrealty, which, um, I, Greg, you know more the history of Interrealty. Yeah, Stellar, PR, PRC. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, we hired a company out of Oak Ridge to write an internet-based platform for us. So that was Market Links. And we, um, they said, sure, we can do that. Um, <laughs> easy, you know, but they, they, <laughs> they, they actually were in uh, nuclear waste management software. So, um, they there's were, some, there's some parallels. There's some yeah, parallels there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so they said, sure, we can write that. And, um, so I, I remember it worked great. We cut over, um, in, late December of 1998 in parallel. 90, right? Yeah. 97, 1997. And it worked great for four hours. Um, <laughs> and then uh, it just crashed. And for the next six months, we were swimming like ducks. You know, uh, we had, had uh, folks from market links sleeping over at our office and on cots and, all kinds of things, but, um, we made it work. Um, and that market links grew to be the largest vendor. They actually ended up buying Interrealty at some point down the road. And then they were, um, when, when first American bought, um, market links, we severed our relationship with them and we brought all development in house. Um, and so, from 2003, I believe it was, um, we have been in the software design business, um, software engineering business. And it is, it, it was a, very much a waterfall environment. So you create a product, you release it, you know, to the masses and everybody comes with pitchforks and wants to burn down your building and everything. So, um, we rewrote, I guess, two versions of the product over the years. And then in 2016, we um, hired a new CTO. Um, and that CTO, Doug Powers, uh, was he actually designed the, um, was on the design team for the uh, fingerprint system for the TSA. And, um, and so he's the real deal. And he transformed our um software engineers to a lean and agile environment. Um, and, and we just adopted that company wide. I mean, everything we do is lean and agile. So, and, so that's interesting. I mean, you know, to me, 
you're in that kind of niche and there's a few of you, like I, I can think of, you know, you guys, um, Iris, uh, RMLS in Portland, Annie Ives and the MLS, uh, uh, MLS, Penn. MLS Penn, right. Mm -hmm. And what do you, I mean, I always struggle. What do you guys call yourself? Is, is well. that Utah uh, real estate? Is yeah. it, is it like, um, homegrown MLSs? Is it like, you know, I guess you're, you're really just software companies really, right? Exactly. And um, when th that first year of my being of running this MLS, um, I, I just got tired of complaining. Uh, that's all you do with vendors is complain. And so um, I said, if I, I don't want to be the chief whining officer. So if there's a problem, I want it to be my responsibility. Right. Yeah. And I think to me, though, that's and, and, and in a sense, I think a lot of MLSs, a lot of larger MLSs now, I mean, you guys are in the catbird seat, meaning, you know, with the acquisitions that happen, like showing time and everything else and the things that they want to do. I, I know a lot of MLS, a lot of M people running MLSs would love to be in this situation, like, and, and I guess Brad's another one, right? Um, like Utah real estate um, that are making their own MLS systems. They can do their own things and everything else. But at the same time, um, now you've got the giant target on your back. You just can't blame a vendor too, right? So that's that. So talk, talk to me about that. What's that like? <laughs> well, I, I'll take that. I mean, your your responsibility as an MLS exec becomes um, very much a manager of the the demand um, versus our capacity. And so when people request things or they complain about things, you have to know why that's either not in there or why it's, you know, where it is on the priority list. So um, I've got a very um, intimate knowledge of the process and what's in place and what our targets are and our roadmap. And um, I think that that's the, that's the difference. I can't just say, yeah, there's a, well, that's not in the vendor software. We'll ask them for that. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a lot more responsibility for the delivery of the service, but that's the way we want it. So I see, I see also two different things going on where you have something be like Annie Ives at um, the MLS, they've got their Vesta MLS system, and they're actually trying to promote that as another alternative for other, other MLS organizations out there. And then you have, uh, let, look at like RMLS and, you know, the uh, MLS aligned thing where they're, they they all got different vendors, but they're trying to create other software solutions like a showing solutions and things like that. Do you ever see yourself going out there and trying to promote and resell the your MLS system out there? Or and and the second part of the question is: Do you have? Are you building your own showing software? Are you building your own other types of so third party software also? Or <laughs> where, where do you guys come up on that? Okay, well, those are two very uh, in depth question. So let me address the first one and remind me of the second one. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, um, so, so really what we found is the, the, the concept of MLS as a service. When, when we started, we, we referred to our users as customers, not as members. And, and I for, forbade everyone in my office from saying member because they are a customer. We have to treat them like that they have a choice out in the marketplace. Um, and so the, with a, when we were within a realty, the only thing we had control over was our training and support. And so that was the first thing we bought, brought in-house. 
And I think that that's kind of the secret sauce. It's a, it's a, it's not just a platform. It's the, it's the support that goes with it, um, and the and the um, customer care. In fact, the the folks were so angry at the time about the uh, first internet successful internet based system in the country. Jim Nacarado would disagree with that, but uh, <laughs> he, he uh, the hours actually work. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so the the um, the deal with that was that you can have really crappy software and great support and training and people are okay. They can still sell real estate or you can have the best product in the world and no support and training. Um, and, and you have a mediocre experience out in the field. I mean, the people still don't like you if they don't know um, that somebody's there to support you. So our goal has always been to focus on that end user um, and, and which is, Pretty much why we have a world class MPS um, and at seventy two, um, and so I, I think that that's the key. So when you ask if we're going to resell the software, we we see it as a package deal. Um, is that you buy a product with the support and and the the training that goes with it, you're going to be successful in your marketplace. So yes, we would consider it under certain terms, you know, not just say, oh, here's a package, put that in your MLS and let you run with it. So, Stuart, in a real sense, um, how's that different, I suppose, than just taking over the MLS? In other words, let's say I'm a um, small, you know, 200-person association in the middle of Kentucky, right? Uh, what would be the difference between just selling you my MLS versus buying your MLS as a service? Um, well, that's that's not a that's not been on our on our plan. Um, just because we, I, I saw what happened at MarketLinks and being a vendor in the space and what what the sales cycle is and the <laughs> amount of money. I know, Greg, you've yeah. you've been there in the sales cycle and and there's just not that much money out there in that space as a vendor in, in, um, in the MLS software business. Um, so, but I think the, the greater vision is to have a massive footprint, um, for an MLS service so that you, you've got the input from the associations, you have input from the customers, but the realtor associations own their technology. So when, um, to answer your second question, Greg, when, when um, uh, showing service was never on our radar, um, I don't know, five, six years ago, we did a, um, a, a vendor selection process for showing service. And we found that half the people were using CSS and half of them were using showing time. Um, and, and there were good things about both. So we integrated links for both of those products into our system. Then you know what happened, showing time bought CSS. So we were left with one. Um, that was just fine um, until you know the purchase happened. And when a competitor buys a, a product that is integral to their business, um, that creates a little anxiety in the marketplace. And so, <laughs> so yeah, so, so we pivoted um, 
gosh, that's been two years ago um, in about April. And we had been out um, looking at uh, Broker Bay and Showingly and um, Centralox showing service and all those things. And our, our, our product managers just said, this isn't that difficult, but the intelligence is fantastic. And so we set out and put out an MVP by August um, of that year. And then um, we got feedback and we iterated on it and we released a showing service in our platform. Uh, we surpassed showing time, gosh, in March of last year. Jesus. And so we're at um, 51% of the market share of that. Mm -hmm. And I think they're around 13% now. And so we, we, we responded to um, the need in the community, you know, and that's, that's the joy of, of being in control of the product. So just don't I, do that I still with want to CMA, hold on, hold on. okay, if you can, I, Stuart, I, I would, just stay yeah, away from that. Do CMAs, but <laughs> I want to go back to this. I'm, I'm trying to still wrap my head around. So Realtrax is now a technology company. You're providing MLS as a service, right? So in yes. other words, I can't just go to Realtrax and say, let me buy your software. You're like, no, no, no. You, right. It's a package deal. It's not just soft. It's not just the software. There's all the support. There's you know service elements because to your point, it's all about the end user experience. So, I guess what I'm wondering. Okay, so if I am an association and I want to take advantage, right? Like, how do I do that? Well, okay, you're talking about a whole different uh, kind of path here, right? So, so I mean, a, a whole different topic. Um, so one of the impediments, what, what, we've, what we have proposed to the other associations in the state is come in and, and, and be owners okay. of this. And we were, um, you know, the response was a friendly thanks, but no thanks, you know, right. um, and which we expected. Um, and so it's been trying to sell the value of owning your technology good technology um, and not being subject to the, the whims of, of venture capitalists and, and aggressive companies. And okay. so if you're a smaller association and you want our system, we yeah. can make arrangements for that. We have um, service centers. We have, we have local um, feedback mechanisms um, to, to put into place. I mean, one of the things that, that was suggested by a really smart guy was um, regional advisory boards. Yep. Um, where I you know that get, smart guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but, so okay. I get you. So wait, but let's step back. So then okay. do I still need my MLS? Like, in other words, like I'm a small local realtor association. I operate uh, an MLS using CoreLogic product or whatever. If I do this deal with you, I don't need that anymore, right? Not, not currently. And so we, we're, um, we are testing, as, as a good lean and agile company does, different expansion uh, models. And so we have issued uh, a response to an RFP for a, um, a product where they kept their own MLS. And so the... the How does that um, work? Uh, not very well, evidently, because <laughs> we haven't heard back from them. So, um, uh, so, so, I, I don't know. I think that the that the goal of having a statewide MLS is still the best, and 
and it's just a slog through the mud, you know, uh, to to get people to understand that that this isn't threatening. This isn't threatening your association. Um, your your association. I love associations. Everybody loves to belong to an association. Uh, even MLS execs love to have their own little, you know, their their own association. So, associations will not go away. Um, but should they be the provider of technology to their end users? That's kind of the question. And so we have a solution that's very friendly to the environment and puts them in control of that without their having to, to hire engineering staff and, and all that. So I guess but to so, me, but you're mean, not a vendor. A- we're not, we're not a vendor. We yeah. want to, we want to be um, a technology player in, in the space. Um, but we want to be within the realtor umbrella if we can. So it is basically consolidation by through other means. Yeah. Right. I mean, long and short yes. of it is, to your point, doesn't work well. So if I'm Knoxville right. and I want to join this thing, because I think Knoxville is not part of uh, Realtracks, right? No, then really, not. I should give up my MLS, sign up with you, do the ownership arrangement like you had, that you had mentioned, but really, I'm going to get rid of my MLS and become part of real. Well, that's their main value proposition, right? They're, right. they're going to say, "Listen, don't, don't be beholden upon that. That we oh, now we're going to own this. Now, correct, you know, the, collectively, our customers correct. are slash members correct. in whatever case you call. I just want to be. Cl- I just want to yeah. be clear that when we're saying this is a technology company, it's it's a very particular type of. In other words, IBM's not going to do that. <laughs> like, right, right. Apple's not doing that. CoreLogic's not like, hey, if you want to do this, then we're going to take over and basically be your MLS. But you get to own shares in Core Logic. You know that's it's a it's there. It, Stewart's not going out there. He's not going to be at uh, Riso or CMLS with a booth saying, "Hey, you know, come buy our software." Like you yeah. know, what I mean, like that's, that's just, right. It's a right. different. But, but I think okay. in other situations where there's a lot with they want to have a lot of consolid going consolidation going on, right? Um, they don't. They're they're using third party. They're using third party vendors for their systems and other yeah. things. And they have to come up with a list of value propositions other than, you know, that, that says, well, this is why you should join us. I think, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. what Stuart has is a really big one saying, yeah. you know, now all these troubles are, you know, maybe things weren't fast enough before, you know, your, you know, your, your customers, your members are going to have control of that technology. I think that's a, a huge point to kind well, of. Well, I mean, uh, it's, they're not going to have there. control of the technology per se. It's collective control. Yeah. As but a co-owner have it, of right. tracks. But they like Greater Nashville Realtors has an MLS committee and I meet with them. I mean, it's a it's another feedback mechanism. Yeah. I mean, we have 30 feedback mechanisms, you know, from our. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's another and you go, well, that's a pretty important one since they are one of our owners. So we pay attention to, to their list that they generate and say, are we on track? Do we have a response for this request? You know, some of the things um, are are big budget type items like, you know, SEO. You need to solve the SEO problem of the world. Um, and some of them are things that are not um, feasible or, or valuable, um, like um, agent ratings. You know, they, the, those are the things. But I have to have a response to that and say, Here's why, here's my response to that, as to why we, the ones who are d- providing the product, don't offer X, Y, Z. So do you think this is going to be a trend? I mean, you know, 
I think this is going to be the podcast a lot of people will listen to going to mid year, right? Um, for and I see a lot of ML, big MLS is working together on different various projects, but. Do you think there'll be a move towards other MLSs to create their own MLS systems and and, and shy away from third parties, or do you th- or do you think it's just that's such a tough thing for larger mid size? I mean, you guys are large MLS as well, but I mean, is that going to be too tough of a, a road to go down? Um, I think it's possible, but you know, I, I like I said, I've been doing this. 27 years, and it's been a process for even me. I mean, there's so much stuff that I don't know. Um, and so I think with the right team in place, it's possible. Um, there, there were a couple of, there are a couple of examples out there of of folks. Toronto, uh, is one who has acquired their technology, um, and they have provided the direction, but they've, they've given them the, um, the freedom to operate as a product company. They've split it out from the association um, and their, their, their focus is to say, okay, we own the technology, but the technology needs to run itself as a, as a real software vendor should. Um, and then you've got another, um, another effort to do this was, was MLS Holdings. And MLS Holdings has a chance of success uh, if they can do a few things. Number one, change the culture uh, um, around, hire the right person to lead that team, and then be hands off and say, look, you all solve the problems that are that the realtors are facing. We're not going to tell you how to solve those problems. And I, I, I think that that's where they have a chance of success, but I think Toronto has a greater chance of success because their their view and vision of that of that product company is is different. Do you guys all meet? Do, do you meet with you know all these you know independent quote quote unquote MLSs uh, you know technology companies? Uh, when when um, when Kathy Condon was there, I mean we've had yeah. um, team exchanges um, and. Um, you know, I'm very familiar with with um, Brad and and um, uh, Kirk and those folks, and we right. talk occasionally. Um, their their approach is a little different from ours, which is not wrong. It's just different. Um, but I could I remember when Kirby was at uh, uh, RE Colorado, and Kirby was adding products, you know, onto onto their platform right. right and left and he had a fun to to uh have startups and all that kind of stuff and i said kirby you're you know 90 95 98 of your customers experience with re colorado is through a third-party vendor if you've got this and you've, you you focus on that that's where you that's where your mls meets the customer yeah what do you say to like you know one of the topics i talk about a lot is a lot of, um, and I know you guys are not doing this really, but in a sense you are with the showing solution. Let's look at that. Where now our customers as a vendor are becoming our competition, right? And that's a, it's a weird dynamic to, to kind of come into, right? Where, you know, you, we might be selling you something, but you're on the other side, you're trying to create something that's going to destroy what I've, what, what I have. Right. And, but you're still a customer. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of 
break your brain in two parts or, I mean, what, what would be some best practices for, <laughs> for those types of situations? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's been a couple uncomfortable meetings with showing time, you know, or, you know, what, or Zillow or something, or, or how, how's that handled? Well, um, not really. I mean, um, we have, I have folks who are, who have been on my board who are trying to write software that competes with what's in the system. So, I mean, I'm just going, uh, you know, my conversation with them is we have our own vision for our product. And so knock yourself out on what you want to do. We're, we're happy to compete with anybody in the space. Um, and, and so I, they're not difficult conversations for me because we've got a clear picture of where we want to go. Right. So when they ask you to send an email about, you know, how great showing time is, you're just, yeah, let's put that in the queue. I mean, way down on the queue, but you're going to put it in there. No, we have no, we have no contract with showing time. Right. We, okay. we so never did. Right. So, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's like we wanted to put a showing service in there. If one of our customers offers that great, I mean, you know, Redfin's other, and I'm, I think the world of Glenn Kelman. I mean, he's he's got a great team up there, um, and when he had brokers in our marketplace buying their mobile app um, because it's so good, you know, until they realize that it is a competitor. You know, he opened right. an office here, but I don't. We don't have. You know, we we have our entire system is mobile, so um, uh, the the functionality is different from what his does, but it is a competitor. So every time I've had conversation, including you, Stuart, you know, about sort of the homegrown MLSs that do product and, you know, technology plays, I always end up asking this question, which is, um, does budget matter? Mm. It because, does matter. Okay. Yes. If, if I mean, because it it's expensive. Yeah. Right. It's expensive. So let's go to the second phase, which, of course, the answer is, of course, budget matters. Yes. How, how do you guys think about, you know, sort of, okay – your I I think I think Realtrax is a for profit entity, by the way. Mm -hmm. But and you are owned by a bunch of realtor associations. I mean, how do you think about doing sort of the funding part of this, right? Because let's let's be honest about this. You guys are a big MLS, you're extremely well run, and I'm sure you're spending a bunch of money into doing this technology development and product. But you know, I mean, guys like CoStar have five billion in cash. We know they could spend hundreds of millions on technology, you know, and that's just one company, right? And we could talk about any other sort of actual big tech companies out there, even in our space. How do you guys think about like trying to compete, if you will, against that? I know it's that's a wrong word because it's not like CoStar has an MLS software and service. It, it's not like that at all. But when you think about we have to grow, we have to keep improving. How do you go about thinking about raising the capital required to fund that? Um, I, well, one, one of the, one of the, the biggest obstacles, as you know, Rob, because you came in and helped with us, uh, with this, um, yep. is, is the, um, is our governance structure. And so, um, mm. so we have addressed, um, our own governance structure over the past year. Um, lots of really smart folks, um, but you kind of kicked off the, uh, the, the lead on that. Um, 
when we go to a Chattanooga or Knoxville or a, a Jackson or a Memphis, you know, they, they go, we don't want seven associations in Middle Tennessee telling us what to do. Um, and so part of the um, this restructuring of the governance, which is, as with everything worthwhile, takes a long time. Um, but it's to accommodate those needs when they arise. And so um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of that. Yeah, because, yeah. No, that's not, and that's not the question. The question is, let's say some competitor, some, you know, core logic next week or at, at mid-year announces, hey, here's our latest matrix and it's fully AI enabled. And now it's, you know, a hundred times easier to use, much more efficient, and it's better than anything on the market, right? Mm -hmm. You guys go, okay, we need to build AI enabled MLS software because we're a technology company. It's going to take a hundred million dollars. How does, how does an MLS slash tech company go about getting a hundred million dollars to do this? Um, well, we, I mean, we'd have to raise capital, but we have to have a governance structure in place that, right. that allows, allows for it. that. <laughs> right. right. So and, are your, and, are your owners like ready for that? In other words, could, would they, do you think, do you think, and this is just a question cause I don't know. Right. Right. Do you think they would give up, let's say 30, 40% of the equity ownership in the tech company to a private equity fund, a venture fund in order to get that capital? Do you think they're um, I, ready for that? Well, right now, no. But if, <laughs> a, 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 but if the need arises, it will probably be an emergency situation where they're like, okay, let's do this. I mean, either we lose MLS um, or we, we raise some capital and we, we have – so, I mean, you've got you've to prove it out over time. Mm -hmm. and, and so if the need arises, I believe that they would – probably do what's best to maintain their ownership in some kind of technology in the direction that, that well, they must Lucky involved. that you said in the beginning, Stuart, it's like there's not that kind of money in there that we have to worry about somebody dumping $100 million in AI technology. True. <laughs> but you know what? There's enough money. When they some, go some, into a suite on. at mid-year and, and, and get nickel and dimed all the yeah. way down to like, you know, 15 cents per member per month, right? Yeah, so, but Greg, I mean, you know, there's enough money in there for someone to dump $25 million. Right. right. And, sure. and most MLS I know would have a tough time raising 25 million to compete with that instantly. Now, some well, of the bigger ones have that in the bank already, but now you're draining reserves. Now there's all sorts of things like that happening. But yeah. And how much is money is Zillow? Yeah. I mean, how much money did Zillow spend for a showing service? And how much money did CoStar yeah. spend for homes and uh, home snap. Yeah, it I mean, depends on what your what what your angle is. If if you're going, you have a consumer play. Well, that TAM's so much a lot larger than just winning per member per month thing. So that's that's a great point. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's just a general overall thing that I think Stuart's just in a really great position to comment, which is, you know, a lot of MLSs, a lot of associations talk about we need to build our own technology. I'm like, cool. There's lots of reasons why you want to do that. Control over the you know the technology, the user experience, the feedback mechanisms. All of that is true. I just ran to the Kria, right? Because Kria's do they have Realtor.ca, and I'm like, I'm looking at your budget, Kria. Your total budget for the year is like 18 million. Like, that's literally like lunch money. That's that's what CoStar spends on, you know, meals and entertainment. So, yeah. At what point does this start to right? And it's it's one of those things, right? Yeah. 
I agree with you. I mean, it's and if you're not in a position to be agile in that space, then you really are in a in a world of hurt if something like that comes down the, down the pike. Right. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So shifting gears, I mean, and I, I I guess both Rob and I can appreciate if you can't comment on this, but you know, we've got a lot of uh, things going on in the industry, you know, regarding to these lawsuits and everything else. But one of the things Rob talks about a lot, and I do, is this kind of preparation, right? Not a comment on the suits themselves, but what can MLSs do? And is there anything that you guys at, at, at Real Tracks have done to kind of prepare for, you know, this uh, post-apocalypse, well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so glad you're asking this question, Greg, not me. <laughs> cooperation, Thanks, compensation, you know, uh, Armageddon. I mean, yeah. any, any, any well, kind of insights there that you can, and if you can't comment, that's fine. I'm just, I just have an no, MLS, I, a CEO here. They're too afraid to come, Stuart. You're the first one that came on here. So, you know, good for you. No, I, I, I think it's a great question. And uh, it is one that gets asked. And, uh, you know, you talk about it, it's all a part of scenario planning, right? So you're, you're saying, okay, what if? Um, either the lawsuits or the government or whomever um, does away with um, mandatory listings, uh, mandatory offers of compensation. Um, how does that affect us? How do we respond to that? Where are we in the space? Um, and one of the, the, the things that is very obvious to me, but it's hard to communicate to my stakeholders is that um, our governance change will actually, uh, uh, one of the things is to have an independent board. Um, and so they are not a, a bunch of broker competitors coming together to make rules about how the, the industry works. Um, just from, from mm. outside, whether it happens or not, just the optics of, of the MLS yep. um, and, and the association uh, inter, intertwining like that. Uh, is bad. Um, and so just from the optics standpoint, real or not. And so I think that, that what we're trying to do with this governance change is provide that layer where that uh, MLSs are, it, it, the MLS is operated by an independent board. Um, and so it, it provides that um, a layer there so that, that right. the, the rules of the system. And so I've been, I've been kind of following the, um, uh, is it, Meta that owns, um, um, what is it, Boston Analytics, what, Analytica, the one that got sued yeah, for all right, the yeah. data breach, right? So, so um, they claim that they can't be held responsible for that data breach because it's an independent board. It's not appointed by the, mm -hmm. the owning company. And so those are compelling arguments to make. And I think that that's the big thing that, that is helpful. Um, I know FMLS has done some things, um, which I would let Jeremy talk to that about to, to remove policy or business rulemaking from the, from the board. Anytime that there's a gathering of board uh, members who are realtors. Um, so uh, it's a real thing you have to prepare for. It's interesting. No, no, we haven't no, really no, talked no, about great, board great. governance me, before, no, Rob, right? I, I, need to, I need to ask a little bit. Uh, second step okay. question to that. I love that idea. First of all, uh, the independent board, I think it makes a ton of sense. But as far as I know, you guys are a realtor MLS. Mm -hmm. 
So therefore, mm. you're subject to NAR's MLS policies and rules. If we have an independent board, we would not be That was the mandatory. question. Right. Okay. So are you guys moving to that where you will no longer be a realtor MLS? Um, we would be realtor friendly. I will sure. say that. <laughs> but the, the whole point is the mandatory versus not, right? So like That's Northwest right. MLS, they, they follow, exactly. I think it's like 95% of the policies of because it's a good idea, and they'll just adopt it. You know, same thing with MLS pin, right. but they're not required to versus a realtor MLS that is required to, right? Right, and okay. and we we kind of operate like that because we we um, we have made a segregation between behavior and data um, uh, precision accuracy compliance, um, and said if it's behavioral, that should go to the associations. So I know we've got in our rules some things about yard signs and about being present for the, you know, and and so my my pitch to anyone who will listen is that MLSs should not be the enforcement arm for the code of ethics. If it's behavioral, it should go to the association. If it's to make sure that the data is clean and accurate, then it should be an MLS rule. And so that's kind of how we've treated our rules and regulations over the years. All right, Interesting. but uh, that that was something that Greg, you and I have talked about, which yeah. is, and I pre- made a prediction. I think MLSs will essentially look to get out from under the NAR mandatory policy umbrella, and you know, like it's clearly yeah, it, happening. We, we, yeah, we talked about. I was saying, you know, other things like okay, buyers uh, exclusive agreement agreements, training your agents to uh, to know what to say and things like that. But we really, I mean. I guess, you know, there that's the whole thing there is a, the governance level for sure. Um, I guess, but if you're a realtor association, if you're part of the realtor family, so to speak, um, there is some handcuffs there, right? I mean, there, you, yeah. you'd have to break those things and, and become realtor friendly, right? To yeah, to do that. And I don't know exactly sure like um, what realtor friendly means. Like I tell this story, I went to IHOP the other day and they have um, gluten friendly pancakes. <laughs> and there's gluten-free pancakes now what what is i don't know what gluten-friendly means so i i think we're gonna have to define what realtor friendly means in the future also <laughs> nar and ihop uh that's uh yeah. no, it's, it's interesting because to your point like the may meetings are coming up and there's a part in that feels like a lot of the conversations in the mls side of that meeting is going to be specifically around this issue right how do we Stay friendly, but get out from under the yoke. Get out from under the mandatory requirements, right? And some MLSs, some associations, I happen to know because I've read their bylaws, it's a real challenge. Because the minute they stop becoming a realtor organization, they have to forfeit all their assets to the state association. This is something that, yeah, it's a lot of people don't. It's funny to me how local realtor board members have never read their bylaws and they've missed that clause. You know, so it's things like that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a hell of a meeting as I see it. As long as those conversations are happening, because I assume they can't talk about most of the stuff having yeah, lawsuits. Yeah. That you know, that that's gonna be forbidden. Um, so, what else is there to talk about? Well, you know, I have I have also a, a like a real track specific thing to ask you, Stuart. Um, so I'm like this MLS geek, right? So I sign up for everybody's Twitter account. Or you know, new you know, getting news alerts or visit the sites periodically, and I think I've actually sent you a, a couple things over the years. 
But man, do you guys do a great job with your branding, um, your design, the marketing, um, how your customer facing stuff. I mean, it's, it's, you know, up there, if not the top um, MLS member communications or customer communications that I've seen there. Can you talk about that? Because I think a lot of other MLSs, a lot of other MLS organizations struggle with that kind of, I'm, I keep saying member, it's just, I'm going to just say member, member communications. Um, but I, I would encourage anybody, go to Realtrack's web, website, go to their Twitter feed, go to their Facebook page and see what the polish that you guys have done is, is, is fantastic. I mean, and what, what, can you give us an idea what your marketing department structure is like? I mean, and what you do there? I mean, if you, if you, if you know, I know you're not in charge, you know, you're in charge, but not that close, but. Oh, no, I'm taking full responsibility oh, okay. for all of that. No, I, <laughs> like I said, I, there's so much I don't know. Um, and, uh, and when we started conversations um, about expansion and whatnot, um, it was actually with uh, Clint Skutkin with uh, T3 yeah. uh, 60 Consulting. And um, we didn't know anything about anything. And so we had started on the, on the same, at the same time, evaluating our skills that we brought to the table. So our, our, um, our biggest gap was in our marketing and, and, um, promotion part. And so we went out and hired a PR firm and, um, they had helped us tremendously. So our, we have a, marketing and communications department of one uh and um and she is she's our chief relationship officer and so she manages uh now dalton um which you all just met dave foster um and and so our really we revamped that in the past three years um everything um and then our, our reach in our uh, social media effectiveness wasn't where we wanted it to be. So we went and interviewed a bunch of other um, PR firms and Dalton was our selection. And since then, our, our impressions and our interactions through social media and whatnot have just skyrocketed. And, and it's, um, it's very, it makes me happy. So, cause I know nothing about it. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, no I mean, that's, it, that's a so. great, you know, trade is like, I mean, if you're going to, you know, outsource the things that you can't do, focus on the things that you can do. Right. I mean, that's just going to, that, yeah. that, that, that's smart. That's smart management for sure. Interesting. Cool. Well, that's, that's good advice. I think I'm, I didn't know that. So great. All right. So <clears throat> I guess let's, let's actually allow Stuart to have sort of the last word to close this out, which is not normal for this podcast, but, um, Given that mid-year is coming and you're going to be meeting with your peers as well as, you know, sort of the elected leadership of a lot of different MLS and associations, um, what's, what's your sort of parting word to them? Like, hey, when I see you guys, let's talk about these three things. Oh, let's talk about what we did last weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I try, I really try hard not to compare where we are with where other people, you know, are in there, um, providing a service and whatnot. Um, I like, I, I'm a consumer more than 
a here's, you know, I'm the wise one coming into the room and want to impart some kind of, you know, my opinion or position on it. I like to take in information from lots of sources and say, yeah, that's not for us or yes, that is for us and we can adapt that. Um, So I, I like to just ask what's going on with you guys? What are you all, are you doing anything with governance? And if they ask, which often they don't ask me what's going on with us, um, I, I listen to what's going on with them and ask questions, you know, follow up. So so that's the value I get out of um, interacting. Um, I, I've, I've not ever been one to be on the forefront of pushing for a policy or something like that. I'm, I, I kind of the things I can control, I like to control and do really well. And the things that are outside of my control, I like to 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 say, how do we respond in those um, in those situations? Um, so as far as policy and things go, you know, when they first came out with the 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 IDX, the first iteration of the IDX policy, uh, you know, I didn't stand up and say that you can't do this, but uh I went back to our board and I said, this is blatant antitrust right here. Um, and sure enough, they modified the policy. But I said, we will never implement that first iteration of that policy. So that's kind of what I, that's how I approach it. If people ask me, I'll share. I'm an open book. All right. So because of that, I'm going to actually violate what I just said and ask you a question. <laughs> I knew it was never going to happen anyway, Rob. So. Well, I mean, you know, look. Um, so given that we are, one of the big things that I'm taking away from this is that MLSs need to think about moving away from the mandatory NAR compliance piece, inspect policies and rules. Do you think... Does it make sense in your mind? I guess what I'm asking is what do you see the role of organizations like, say, CMLS or RISO to be in that type of world? Could something like CMLS be that policy, voluntary policy organization if NAR cannot and should not be? Um, Well, I've been an advocate for that for a long time, uh, for CMLS to be the policy body for um, Mm – um, MLS is around the country. Um, and I, I ran, I think three times for their board under the thing, please, 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 please don't be an association. Uh, just do things well, like communications and, um, uh, recommend policy have, have, uh, standards for certain aspects of the business. And, um, I, not that popular. So I never got elected to their board. So <laughs> Hey, we're changing but, things now, Stuart. Now, come on, you're, but, you're on the yes. fast pass now. So, yeah. So, so <laughs> yes, I think that, um, I think NAR, um, should focus on the code of ethics and, and those sorts of things and let, uh, technology be delivered, um, by other entities. I mean, it's just, a, a really long poor history of of technology implementation from them and uh, but i think that the gap is uh between saying mls should support and enforce the the code of ethics or whether it can be mls should operate to have a an efficient uh, marketplace an accurate marketplace which is different mm-hmm. 
All right. We're going to end it on that. I, I said that we're going to let Stuart have the last word. Uh, I just didn't <laughs> wanted, needed to ask that question. Um, Stuart, thank you so much for yeah. joining us for this. Uh, Greg, uh, great, great questions as usual. Uh, and uh, to our listeners, um, actually, you know what? If any of our listeners want to get a hold of you, Stuart, again, most of them probably already know you. They already know how to get a hold of you. But uh, if if they don't, where where do they find you? Where do they look? You know, sort of follow the work that you guys are doing at Real Tracks. How how might they get in touch? Um, it's Greg at LoneWolf.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's Stuart at RealTracks.com is my email. Um, Great. And um, if if they, anyone's interested in our um, software environment. Uh, we have a, an engineering blog uh, at realtracks.com oh, cool. slash engineering, and our, our folks write articles about how we handle different things, how, we, how our processes work within our company. Um, and I will say that we were awarded Technology Company of the, of the Year by the Greater Nashville Technology Council. Awesome. Wow. Um, and that is, that's all, that's, that's the only award that I really ever wanted. So, um, that we were up against, uh, a fortune 500 company and a company that does, uh, 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 simulation software for the military. And so, um, we felt really good about where we are in, in, in our space here. But so if you're a geek and you want to see how, how we run things here, that's it. Um, but um, any other inquiries can be just sent to support or feedback at realtracks.com. And we see every one of them and read every one of them. All right. That's well, awesome. Well, thanks, and uh, thanks you know, again. big fan. And I think I'm going to be the uh, campaign manager for Stuart for CMLS board as he uh, runs again here. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, All Stuart. Right. Hey, thank, thank you, you so all. much, Stuart. All right. all right. Thanks, everybody. Peace. 